What's up all you beautiful people out there? This is Hobart coming to you on this, the maiden voyage of my podcast called The Bartcast. It's a working title, bear with me there. But for the meantime, that's going to be what I'm calling this thing. It's been a couple years in the making. And finally, with this pandemic, I'm getting down to doing it. And uh, today is a special day to be launching on this 420 uh, global holiday. I hope you guys are all out there celebrating in your individual ways. I know I'm going to be here in my house celebrating myself, but uh, I could think of no better guest to start my podcast off with than my good buddy, Jesse Lemmy Adams, a.k.a. JJ Good Vibes. Jesse is an incredible musician, uh, one of my favorites by far. He he plays uh, in his band called The Royal Jelly Jive. He's also releasing an album today. It's called Long Drives to Nowhere, and I highly recommend that you guys go out and check it out. I think he's going to be do- releasing it at 420 on the dot, and if you guys are going to be token up in honor of the holiday around that time, um... I know I'm going to put that on as my soundtrack when I light up. So JJ, good vibes. Awesome dude. He's also a prolific filmmaker. Him and his brother just dropped their first feature last year called Up the Five. Highly recommend that as well. Um, But yeah, today we're just going to be sitting down and discussing our top 10 movies of all time. And... This was really hard to put together. Um, I had about at least 30 on my list uh, that I had to whittle down to 10, and I left a lot of good ones out, um, some that we referenced. But yeah, I mean, there's a couple directors that I can't believe I didn't put on the list. But in the end, I had to go with the 10 that just... I'm not saying that they're the 10 best, but they're the 10 that had the biggest impact on me and the ones that come up in my mind when I think about it, even just doing this process. So I know for Jesse, it was, it was tough as well. One interesting thing to note, um, after doing it, we realized that neither of us had any of the same movies on our list. So it was uh, an interesting learning opportunity. He definitely had a couple titles that I'd never seen and vice versa. And I'm definitely going to be stoked to sit down and check those out. Um, one last thing, you know, this podcast uh, is going to be kind of open-ended. I'll be bringing on a lot of different guests that are, you know, I realized I know so many interesting creative people and um, for a long time I've been wanting to just have an opportunity to get into conversation and opportunity to connect with people and to share our conversations out there. Maybe you find them interesting, maybe you don't. Um, but I know during this time, everybody's got a lot of time on their hands and, uh, I hope that you guys find this content enjoyable. So without further ado, let me introduce my very good friend, JJ Good Vibes, Jesse Lemmy Adams, here on episode one of the Bartcast.
What's up, brother? What's up, dude? How you doing? Good! Really good! Nice. Really, really good? I think if I, like, popped open a beer, I would be doing great. So Maybe you should pop open a beer, bro. You want me to do great? Okay. I want will you to do you, your uh, best. Will you not edit this out and just... Sh- you'll see how long it's... No, I'm just kidding. I'll be right back. <laughs> Coming right back. Okay, I'm back. Hold on, hold on. Get in the headphones on so I can hear you. All right. Well, Mr. JJ Good Vibes himself in the building. JJ, how you doing, man? Happy Friday. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. My favorite thing to do on Shabbat is talk about my favorite Jewish films. Nice. And I feel the same way, uh, both Jewish and non-Jewish films, surprisingly. I'm sure a Jew was involved in every single one of my movies on my list. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think uh, we could probably both safely say that. But yeah, man. Uh, so yeah, today we're going to be doing, talking about our top 10 movies lifetime. Um, and I think that this is a subject that both of us are pretty passionate about. I know this was like, really hard for me to narrow down um i got like probably at least 30 titles that didn't make the final 10 and a couple that really hurt me to cut um but what was your process like for you trying to get your 10 narrowed down i just woke up this morning when you texted me and immediately threw down the things that came to my mind in order first and then I tweaked the order just a little bit. And I definitely have a lot of movies that I'm not happy that aren't on this list that really deserve to be on this list too. And the more I think about it, the more I don't want to overthink it. So I'm trying to go with what my gut told me. Nice. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, that's... that's uh important you got to go from the gut you know inevitably um when you're thinking about making some of these tough choices i mean i I think overall when when putting together this list for me um you know the the rewatchability was a huge factor I, i i had to think of movies that like have popped up time and again when i try to ask myself the question over the years of like what's my favorite film And, uh, these ones are ones that like have been in that conversation in my head, uh, for a long time. And, um, I think, you know, we were talking about this before we called before this, this podcast, just that it's not always about what you think is like the greatest movie, but like what movie had the biggest impact or meant the most to you in your life. So I think that like these choices, uh, should be taken by you, the, the listeners, uh, with that understanding in mind, we're not necessarily saying that these are the end-all greatest movies of all time, but they are our top 10 list in so much that we could put together one. Yeah, I'd say our personal top 10 list. Right. And it's just, it's maybe what age we were at at the time when we watched it and how it affected us. Um, and we should go down at the end and see what our, some of our runners-up were because I'm curious about what years are going to be. And I'm already writing a couple runners-up down right now. So. Nice. Perfect. Perfect. Well, um, 
I'm still getting a little bit of, um, you're still peeking out on me a little bit. So I want okay. to Let me, I could face a little away from my thing and is this a little better over here? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think that's better. Can you just say some words to me? Tell me about your breakfast. My breakfast was Mexican food leftovers. And it was mm. delicious and amazing. My favorite. We went We went to that taco truck, FJ's. Remember that Oh, spot? yeah. That one's great. They do great he work just, there. He just opened his restaurant. It's like he's got a restaurant now, and it's awesome. Even despite so, the – are they just doing takeout or – yeah, just doing takeout, but it's super cool that he finally has like a really big kitchen and more on the menu, and Hell it's yeah. awesome. Yeah, that guy was so sweet when we went and ate there too. I really, I really dug it. Sweet man. Well, I wanted to ask you because we've each got our ten titles. Um, yeah. How do you want to go about breaking them down? Should we, you know, go one at a time? We each give one, and then we can talk about it, and the other person can give theirs. And we can just go like from 10 to one, the countdown. Yeah. Like the Roger Ebert, Martin Scorsese style. Just there you go. Head to head. Head to head, baby. Well, well as the guest, um, maybe I should give you the honor of, uh, of, of starting us off. You want to start us off by uh, introducing in the 10 spot. Your, the, the, maybe the most important spot on the list, arguably, because it's just above the cut and yeah. there's something special to be said for the one that you had to cut others uh, to include. That's very true. So it almost deserves its own. <laughs> nice. Coming in at number 10, hot and fresh, hot and steamy. Hot and steamy, baby. Well, uh, my number 10 is the, it's funny because it's actually the movie that I've seen the most recent in terms of I had never seen it before until like a, a couple weeks ago. And then I just rewatched it a couple nights ago with Lauren. And so it's funny that a recent movie can, can make it. But um, my number 10 spot is Harold and Maude. Okay. A classic, so, a classic that would probably find its way onto many people's lists. Um, yes. Um, I'm, I'm almost, I'm ashamed to say I haven't seen it. Yeah. It's, I had never seen it. I've been hearing good things about it for a long time and it's a Bay area film. It's all shot in like literally SF and the Marin headlands and like, but you can see early, early Bay area Okay. And a couple of things I love about it. First of all, it's a full Cat Stevens soundtrack, the whole movie. Nice. Awesome, amazing Very music. Nice. And uh, can you kinda, can you give me like a brief synopsis of the story, just for people that haven't seen it? Yeah. So um, basically, this guy Harold is lives in a super rich mansion and feels a little bit like invisible to his mother and his world and is kind of on this strange rampage of attempted suicide uh suicide attempts where he tries to kill himself in front of his mom and his mom's not really even paying attention so he kind of he's this kid who feels very isolated and lonely he doesn't feel like he's lived at all 
and runs into this woman at a funeral because he goes to funerals to try and connect with something morbid. I don't know why he does it, but he just goes to funerals and he meets another woman who also goes to funerals, who's 79 years old and is completely living life almost to the opposite degree of the fullest and stealing cars and just has her own amazing warped philosophy. And it kind of is a love story between these two characters, but really it's about finding the love to live and um it's really funny it's really dark and for a movie to take on suicide the way that it does in 1971 was like it feels super modern and fresh like i don't think there's been even movies about suicide that have been that brave about it like okay. since then it's uh when when my father was making my suicide the film that was literally one of the only movies that had touched upon that subject in such a co sort of comedic way. It's, right. it's a dark, it's a dark comedy, but there's so much heart to the movie that um, you, you, it's just like one of those movies that you could watch once a year and you'll feel better about life. Man. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to have to put this one on my like must watch list. Cause you know, I've heard a lot about it throughout my life and uh, it sounds like maybe even uh, like when you told me about the, this, you know, the, the guy going to the funerals, the first thing I thought about was like almost like a, if if they made an homage to it in Fight Club with like the guy going to all the support groups to try to find, totally. uh, you know, to feel something. So um, I'm sure that would be an interesting scene. Right on. So uh, how why did this one make the 10 spot and uh, and maybe bump some others off that, that were in contention? I feel like if, if you're going to pick movies that sh touch on humanity and what it feels like to be alive and give a hopefulness to that, I this movie is one of the best in that way. And I feel like you need a couple feel-good movies on the list. And um, it's super fresh. And I want this director has done – I can't wait to watch some more of his movies because I hear they're all good. But I think that – the combination of the story and the soundtrack, which has that song, like, if you want to mm -hmm. get high, get high. If you want to be low, be low. Da -da, there's a million ways to go. You know that there are. There's that, like, classic song in there. Mm -hmm. And uh, so all of those added up together to be like, well, let's just start with something that is fresh to me and feels good and is just a classic. It's a cult classic. Nice. So it comes on at number. Okay, hey, we got our first film at number ten, Harold and Maude, Jesse's choice, um, which brings us to my number ten spot, which was also like a very different, difficult decision to be made. And I have a couple other films right below it that I couldn't even like necessarily take off the list. I had to keep them up there just to give me that little like feeling, like I wasn't, you know. Uh, disrespecting them too much but uh for me in the 10 in in the number 10 spot i've decided to go with the fact that i'm a huge sci-fi nerd and there's definitely a sci-fi element in my top 10 so coming in at number 10 for your boy hobart is arrival nice um, you know this is a movie that i think i find something new to appreciate every time i see it um the lat you know I also kind of tear up towards the end. It, it always kind of moves me 
just how beautiful the movie was. Uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, Arrival is like uh, a c- contemporary first contact film, uh, much in the tradition of like an Independence Day. Um, but it follows this uh, linguistics es- expert who's a professor, and she, uh, I believe it's Amy Adams. If you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it stars. Um, God, I should know this. Um, I'm pulling it up. It's it stars Jeremy Renner. Yeah, Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner, and Amy Adams is a uh, a linguistics professor who gets uh, contacted by the government because there's these weird, like floating half eggs that have appeared all over the planet, and she is brought in to try to uh, create a basis of understanding. Um, these aliens because nobody knows what's going on and it's turning into this like global uh freak out and i just think the film is like so intelligent in in exploring uh quite a plausible way of how our our planet would respond to something like that and just looking at the way that it would be break down amongst uh different countries and the pressures from the military to to view it like a military situation, as well as exploring like just the difficulties inherent in developing communication with a a being that you, you have like no shared understanding with. And so for me, uh, if even with that alone, it would still have been a great film. I think the like, uh, the soundtrack was amazing. The score really gives it that like gritty sci-fi feel and then they also start to play around with non-linear time and it's one of those movies where you there'll be some things that happen early on without giving away too many spoilers um that don't quite hit you until the end and then it all kind of comes into focus and makes sense and so yeah i had to put this one at number 10 um it also has forrest whitaker amazing ad- actor um, and you know, it's, it's a more contemporary movie, but, uh, this one had a big effect on me and it's one that, uh, I'm going to be watching again and again as the years progress. Yeah. You have to see this one on a big screen. I feel like, cause it's just such a large movie, such a large feeling movie. And I think there's been so many, um, like alien connection movies since, uh, the, uh, Spielberg classic, um, uh, <laughs> close encounters close encounters yeah and there's been so many good ones but this one is definitely like holds up just as good as close encounters in a, in a sense that it builds on the idea of it and also kind of creates its own weird alien and its own weird way of communicating and it's a dream it's sort of a weird dream but i really love this the director he he did blade the new blade runner right after this and uh there's just something about like how huge his movies feel they like just feel huge it's it's yeah you know, no yeah. i get you that that it has like that gravitas and the fact that they chose to like keep the aliens kind of in shrouded in smoke to me was like just too rarely in movies do you like not get the like they're always showing the creature right away you know and i like mm-hmm. that deflate defrayed payoff you don't really see anything but like a tentacle at first and the it's the mystery and the unknown of what you're dealing with and 
there's just so many of those uh, that drive up the suspense of the movie and really pull you in like pretty quickly. So number 10, we got Arrival. That's it. That's on the Hobart list. Jesse, nice. why don't you take us to your number nine? Number nine. Number nine. Well, I kind of, I'm, my list sort of starts with a couple older classics because I feel like it wouldn't be right not to have a few of those on there. And I wanted to, I'm not like the hugest fan of musicals, but there is one musical that I love. And I've, since I was in high school, like I would watch this with my friends and even with like people who were sort of like, you know, kind of street kids, they even thought this movie was cool. And it's West Side Story, um, which has some of my favorite music, uh, Leonard Bernstein, and uh, just kind of like you get New York back in the day, awesome film, awesome choreography. It's kind of like one of the greatest Romeo and Juliet love stories, and uh, the the fighting, the jazz, the way that the snapping <laughs> happens and they dance Scat. around. Yeah, it's just like you can't like <laughs> you can't go back from that. And literally, me and my friends would be like doing the like. We do that like to each other and like just in normal life. And I, I, I kind of wanted to be sort of like a jazz gangster. Mm. And uh, there's, it's just a classic movie. And I hope that the remake is going to be good because like you, you almost can't really beat like how awesome it was and how they're doing a remake. Yeah, Spielberg's doing a remake right now. Okay. Um, I, I just hope that it. Uh, I don't know. The thing about this movie is that it's obviously a beautiful story and about like seeing other people that are different from you and trying to connect. And it's a very much an American movie. And, um, but it didn't just, wasn't just a great musical and a great play and great cinema, uh, great cinematography, great dancing and choreography, but it was like a combination of all that. And it looked good and it was a great movie as well as, as anything. So West side story is my number nine. Nice. Yeah, that one uh that one's one that my mom would quote at me when I was a kid all the time and I don't I think I saw it in my adolescence and and a lot of things started to make sense but there's all these little like lines when you're a jet you're a jet yeah. all the way you know like uh oh, and I like to try to intimidate my enemies with a little bit of jazz, you know, snapping. <laughs> there's a lot of prowling in that film. You know, so. yeah it's it's gritty it looks cool like it's yeah. it's definitely their gangs they're fighting mm-hmm. there's an intermission in the middle of the movie just bold, for like old choice <laughs> yeah an old yeah an old intermission with like a weird color changing like so you could get up while the movie's playing and then get back in time but um yeah nice. I, honestly the music is what does it for me the most too okay. it's just like you you can't you can't make a better musical than that you, every song is a good song Nice. Well, I'll have to say that uh, following your, I can't, I, I couldn't have picked a better contrast uh, for our number <laughs> nines. I mean, if there was any contrast between Harold and Maud and uh, Arrival, um, this next one is going to be pretty uh, much a left turn. So coming in at my number nine. Uh, is not a musical, although, you know, you could probably put some music to it. Um, for me, I had to go with Tombstone. 
Uh, here is, in my opinion, uh, one of the greatest uh, like non-classic westerns of all time. I think Tombstone uh, really embodies what I love about like 90s filmmaking. Uh, especially like early 90s filmmaking. It was 1993. Tombstone uh, tells the story of Wyatt Earp um, and Doc Holliday trying to bring order to, uh, you know, to the West, to the town of Tombstone, Arizona. And it's just the most star-studded cast. You got Kurt Russell playing Wyatt Earp. Val Kilmer is Doc Holliday. And then you got Sam Elliott and Bill Paxton, both playing Kurt Russell, Wyatt Earp's brothers. And that foursome, it just doesn't get any better. I mean, those guys, just each one of them brings so much life to their characters. And uh, I mean, you got cameos by Charleston Heston. Powers Booth is like an amazing uh, bad guy as well as Michael Bean playing Johnny Ringo. And, you know, just for me, you know, I recently rewatched this with my brother. We've both seen it a million times. But it was one of those movies where we're going through, you know, Netflix or Amazon Prime. Like we've been looking for 20 minutes. We can't decide on a movie. And we both see that title come up and we look at each other and we're both like, yeah, we could watch Tombstone. It's probably like the 10th time we've seen it. And I loved it. And start to finish, I was just like, this movie's perfect. You know, it's, it's not your most uh, gravitas you know, a uh, movie as far as Westerns go, but something about that lightness and the humor that's woven in it, um, you know, and, and the performances, it just had to be on my list. Nice, man. I feel like I've never really watched it. I might have seen scenes here and there, but I, I got to watch it. I love the oh, Western yeah. genre and uh, I the mean, 90s Westerns too. For me, so. the whole movie is summed up by the one line, you know, Val Kilmer's famous line from it where, you know, he, his friend, uh, the big shoot off at the end, you think the two, uh, villain, the villain and the hero are going to meet in this shoot off. And then all of a sudden Val Kilmer surprises him and he just is all, I'm your Huckleberry. It's just like the best line. And just the payoffs. There's a million of those payoff lines in it, but nice. Nice. Um, yeah. And my number nine tombstone, if you guys haven't seen it, I highly recommend that one. Awesome, man. I can't wait. Yeah, I've been playing a little Red Dead Redemption, so I'd like to. I'd like watching oh, westerns. Dude, it'll I get you westerns. right in on that for sure. Cool. So um, I guess we're going down to number eight. Number eight, it is. Numero eight. Well, eight. I guess this one kind of links in with Tombstone. Um, I picked Pulp Fiction as my nice. number eight. Because, nice. I mean, surf music, first of all, is like one of my favorite genres of, of music in general. The the interesting storylines and basically John Travolta's character just in general, I really like related and felt that guy's vibes from that movie when I was younger, and I still do. And, like, he's kind of cool, but he's also, like, you know, barely hanging on sometimes. And... Um, there's just so many classic moments in that movie, and uh, I still feel like it's one of Quentin Tarantino's best. I mean, obviously, it's kind of his most famous, but mm -hmm. it kind of it kind of deserves that spot in a sense. Because um, I don't know if he really did that multi-faceted 
timeline storytelling better than that movie right where you really kind of see different moments from different characters at different times and it feels like a pulp novel and if you could just cut a little bit more of quentin tarantino out of the movie (laughs) my uh my friend tanner he does the best impression of quentin tarantino Mm -hmm. but um basically you got sam jackson doing his the coolest role ever oh it's the coolest samuel l jackson that we've ever seen yeah and it's biblical and it's uh every single character even bruce willis and christopher walken and the surprises that happened in that movie um it's it's it was a game changer and it was rightfully so what it wasn't it up for best picture and it lost out what did it lose out to oh forrest gump i think it lost out to forrest gump um yeah in the best picture or whatever um, there's a million there's a million best pictures that right. should have been best pictures and that i mean i think that one was at a Cannes film festival 1994 and um it i guess it it made everybody want to make movies and uh everybody made a Pulp Fiction-y kind of style movie. Right. Not everybody, but a lot of bad Pulp Fiction-y style movies were made after that movie. Oh. But uh, Uma Thurman, oh, you, man. Got, you got like one of the great Uma Thurman moments ever. And um, yeah, I mean, that soundtrack, I even just listened to that soundtrack just on its own. Cause... It's one of those movies I feel like taught me a lot of things about life. I think I was like, 10 or 11 when my father took me and my brother on a little trip up to gold country to pan for gold and we went in all these caves and we were staying at this motel and he rented pulp fiction from the you know from the video it was back in the day when you'd go stay at a motel and they had all these like vhs's that you could rent for the night and so he got us pulp fiction and it was like you know dad and the boys and we watched it and I remember when my mom found out she was just livid. She just was so mad that she thought we were too young to, you know, experience all the things in that movie. And, you know, it didn't, it didn't really traumatize me, you know, like some other movies may have, but it did like open up a whole world of possibility. And it's one of those movies too, that, you know, I can keep coming back to finding new little things to appreciate about it, new little moments. Um, and, you know, I'm embarrassed to say, uh, despite being a huge Quentin Tarantino fan, I don't have any of his movies on my list. And that was like one of those things we were talking about where there's a couple directors that, uh, you know, um, Wes Anderson's another one who I just wish I could put, like if I could have put all their films into one entry, they would have made the list, you know, but I had to go with uh, the ones that have, you know, had the biggest effect. And I'm sure that I've, even with that, have left off a couple ones that later I'm going to be like, oh, that should have made it, you know. But great choice, Pulp Fiction, amazing. Good stuff. It it ends so good. It just starts and ends. It's a movie that feels complete. Well, and doesn't, like, Bruce Willis doesn't even come into the movie until, like, over halfway in or something like that? I feel like he's, like, like, he's not even introduced. I mean, I was a huge Bruce Willis fan growing up, and I remember being like really pleasantly surprised when he suddenly appeared on the screen. Yeah. He just kind of comes in. You're like, Oh, this is cool. And it's kind of one of his coolest roles. Like it's, it's early Bruce. Um, yeah. I mean, 
I, it's so funny that you say about the violence because yeah there was a stigma about it that was like this movie is just a lot of bad stuff that happens in there and it's like yeah there's a gimp that's kind of creepy mm-hmm. and but compared to movies now it's like <laughs> pretty normal it's like a pretty mm-hmm. normal movie now yeah but, wouldn't, even, wouldn't even raise an eyebrow yeah cool man well uh i guess that brings us to my number eight which is um a film you know this is one of those movies when people ask me what my favorite movie is it's it's always coming up in contention in my mind um it's one that i watch you know probably once a year um and it uh it's a movie that really changed my opinion of of the star um and that's the movie in Bruges starring nice. Colin Farrell. Um, I was, I really didn't like Colin Farrell uh, for most of my life until I saw this movie <laughs> and I realized what it was. Uh, Cause he's brilliant. He's, he's amazing in this movie. Um, but I think that Colin Farrell in most of his movies where he's not playing an Irish person, cause he's Irish uh, or maybe Scottish. I think he's Irish though. Um, his characters tend to be pretty flat emotionally in a lot of his like big budget films. But when you let him play, uh, you know, a Celt for lack of a better term, uh, you start to see this like depth of character emerge and he's just punchy and witty. This movie is like full of dark humor. It just it tells the story of these two, uh, hit who have had to go on the run. Um, I'm not going to try to not to give away too much, but they're on the run basically uh, for a crime that they did. And they end up in this little town in Belgium called Bruges. That's full of, uh, you know, old architecture. And it's just this story of this guy uh, trying to come to grips with having done this terrible thing and, um, and his friend trying to cheer him up, but there's uh, like darker things unfolding. And, you know, it's just one of those movies that kind of wraps itself up with a really nice bow um, and the, the dark humor, I, I just found so spot on. I, I really like the, um, I think it's Martin McDonough. Isn't that the name of the, maybe I'm totally messing it up. The name of the director. Um, he's also did, did, uh, the seven psychopaths, which yeah. was another amazing film. Um, and just, it just was, a such a enjoyable film for me. I really can't say enough about it it's it's a great movie it's got a spooky eerie kind of vibe there's there's the just the gothic architecture the, there's mute great music i've been to bruges and like when you're there you literally feel like how that movie is like they captured that energy mm-hmm. sort of in such a perfect way um and i do think yeah i, I feel like that movie made me love colin farrell too uh more than I ever had before. And actually one of my favorite movies, which isn't on my list, but The Lobster is another Colin Farrell great, but he's he's a, he's a pretty underrated actor when he's doing great roles. Like he can do some really good roles. And I think we've, we've been so used to seeing him in mainstream movies that we forget that he's like, he can be pretty weird too. And he can, oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, the, but he is the... devish, he's devilishly handsome. He's devilishly handsome as well as, you know, the, I forget the name of the character in the movie, but he, the, the girl that he winds up romantically uh, involved with, to me, like, 
really epitomized like the beauty of uh of 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 like a woman that doesn't have like that like american perfect smile like when i traveled europe the the whole like i feel like dentistry in some countries isn't as big of a priority and people aren't obsessed with having these like perfectly straight teeth and she kind of had a couple crooked teeth but to me it just like uh i i fell for her all the more because of that those you know those little changes uh gave her this kind of uh distinct distinction that uh that i found super attractive elizabeth barrington is that her name elizabeth barrington elizabeth barrington well she's a hottie for sure maybe maybe it's elizabeth barrington any Um, yeah Anyways, this, this, you know, if you guys are out there looking for a film, I think this one's still on, on uh, Netflix last I checked while you're home during the Corona epidemic. Um, this is one, if you like, like dark humor and a really like amazing twisting storyline with a lot of like twists and turns, I highly recommend in Bruges and it's a yeah. you know, hard, hard earned number eight on my uh and shout out to uh brendel gleason because he's amazing in this oh, movie he's a friend every movie he's he's amazing yeah <laughs> um and watch seven psychopaths right after you yes Bruges if, yes if you want it, if you want the party to keep going yeah martin mcdonough that that was seven psychopaths was one that it was almost like a coin coin toss between that one and in bruges I had to give it to In Bruges because that's what turned me on to this writer-director. But Seven Psychopaths is another one that's just like, the cast is amazing. Um, I almost wish I could put it in now that you've brought it up, but uh, maybe it'll have to be uh, for another day. I know, that one's got Tom Waits. Tom Waits, Christopher Walken, um, you know, Sam Neill, a bunch of guys. Cool. Awesome. well, shall we move on to your uh, lucky number seven? Lucky number seven. Um, it's a great film as well. Yeah, so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, my number seven is a David Lynch film, Ooh. and it is his first film, Eraserhead. Mm. So I was in high school and my dad always kind of told me that there was this movie called Eraserhead that was the scariest movie he'd ever seen and it's kind of like it feels like you're in a nightmare and uh, I kind of like watched it at the perfect age at the perfect time and kind of blew my mind into like what a movie is because it really tells the story in its own way and it's super trippy very psychedelic there's like sounds of air going around the whole time and you got this weird looking dude with a huge like mop top and it's nightmarish and it's it feels like it was filmed on another planet almost and it just blew my mind into like how artistic you could make a film and how far away from the norm you could do it and it's it's incredibly awkward and it's almost funny at times um and just kind of blew my mind to like what you could do it's i'm sure it's very slow if you if you uh if you watch it again now but you kind of just have to be along for the ride and just 
be in a dark room with mm-hmm. no lights on and uh it's black and white mm. and um i still feel like it's one of the best um sort of cinematic statements that david lynch had, has ever made and almost all of his films that follow sort of take a little bit of a racer head with them and it's just how much does he crank the the knob the eraser head knob did he put yeah. kyle mclaughlin in this one as well or is this pre pre oh this is 77 yeah 77 it's got the one of the best uh, mu- musical moments <laughs> radiator comes out and sings this song towards the end and it's it's a very climactic strange moment um there's a little baby in it that was actually a a deer and a a baby a dead baby deer that they created this sniffling baby and this (laughs) this man and his wife his woman and another woman falls in love with them and he has fantasies about her it's it's definitely (laughs) there's definitely some themes some strange themes going on um but this is a david lynch film it's gonna be strange yes it's and it's this is the strangest you can't get stranger and he, he filmed it on film and one of the things he said was that it was the best experience movie experience he's ever had in his life was doing the soundtrack for this movie because there's amazing swirling wind sounds and strange organ in the background and it's 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 it feels like you're kind of getting thrown through a hazy nightmare so nice well yeah. you know speaking of someone that has watched every uh episode of twin peaks and i think my first lynch film was blue velvet um nice. but yeah definitely if you're looking for something that is uh, off the beaten path look no farther cool nice eraser head well you know you're definitely coming off as a much more of an artsy man than myself but uh <laughs> we'll keep pushing along here and i'll i'll bring in my seventh film which uh speaks again to my i think inherent nerdiness because i really like the uh the sci-fi and the and the sword and sandals i guess is the the uh the t- official term but Movies with like knights and medieval stuff really get me. And when I when I was thinking about those type of films, there's really one that stands out. This is another movie that uh, continuously will come into my mind as my favorite. I actually bought the director's cut uh, recently because I wanted to watch it and it wasn't available for free. And I just decided like, I'm going to keep watching this, you know, pretty regularly because it's such a great film Uh, might as well just buy it and i really like the extended version it's four hours uh and that movie is kingdom of heaven um which is just an incredible um just massive film uh it tells that it stars orlando bloom uh it's also got um liam neeson and um, even edward norton uh, and just nice. a, a whole huge cast of characters. And it basically tells the story um, of Orlando Bloom is like this uh, poor um, blacksmith in this small French village. And 
he um, ends up getting the call to adventure unwillingly to go fight in the Crusades in Jerusalem and um, and ends up going and getting embroiled in the middle of like the Crusades and just everything about this movie is huge. It was It's a Ridley Scott film, so it's just so well executed on scale. You have massive battles, you have great sword fights, you have the plot is just incredible and really... It really explores like the um, that idea of like Jerusalem being this city where so much blood is spilled, but where everybody's kind of worshiping the same values and ideals. It doesn't try to create, um, you know, a lot of times like classical medieval films will have, you know, the 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 Easterners be the villains and and kind of play them up to be these cartoonish villains and this movie does a really good job of showing the humanity in both sides um and there's just some great scenes of dialogue uh between the two kings saladin and edward norton who plays uh the emperor of um jerusalem at the time who um, who's suffering from uh leprosy but yeah just it's just a great film it's one of those ones that uh it could be, you know, you think it could be just like your classic adventure story and it just has so much more um, and, and everybody does such a great job with their acting. Um, I, I really enjoyed it. So, yeah, my number seven is Kingdom of Heaven. So it beat, out, it beat out uh, Gladiator. Beat out Gladiator and it beat out Braveheart, which was surprising because Braveheart yeah. was my favorite film throughout my childhood. And, uh, and still is, still is probably in the top 20. If I could do another 10, it, it would be in there. But, uh, but yeah, Kingdom of Heaven, man, it just, the production value, the quality and, and, the, and, and the acting on both sides, the villains are great. The heroes are great. Um, and it really just displays, you know, knighthood at its finest. <laughs> I'm definitely going to watch that because I've never seen it. I highly recommend it. And I highly recommend making the commitment to the director's cut. I'm a four hour movie guy. I can sit through the long ones. I don't know if you are, but if you can, there's a couple extra scenes in there that just really even out the story. And it's much, it, it you know, it, it takes it much more in depth. It builds the characters a lot better. Nice. Yeah, man. Nice. So what do we got at number six? We're almost halfway there. Almost halfway there. Um, there's just, I feel like there's a few movies on my list that are like, I just put them down there because I freaking love them and they were so important. And obviously there's just so many other great films, but for some reason I put down Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind for number nice. six. I just, I'm like, Jim Carrey is probably one of my favorite actors of all time. And He's a beast. In comedic and serious roles, um, except for <laughs> that one movie where he saves a movie theater or whatever that one was. Um, but uh, <laughs> Eternal Sunshine, it's got Michelle Gondry directing, which my brother Gabe has worked with on the show Kidding, uh, which Jim Carrey's also in now. So he's they reunited, and there's just a very unique way that the story is told, and... and that um, John Brion's music, which is one of my favorite soundtracks, is this movie here. And the thing that really gets me is 
the kind of if you've ever been broken up with or heartbroken like this is definitely the best breakup movie and also the best relationship stick together movie because like you can't erase the if you erase the things that you the bad things about someone you also erase the good things mm. and it's kind of the learning the the truth that you shouldn't you don't want to lose the good things even you don't want to lose the bad things either and and uh it really takes you on a journey and um it's got so many awesome scenes that are very trippy and cinematic it's got a great song by beck in it uh it's one of jim carrey's best acting roles like he's he's understated and kate winslet is amazing and unique in it i gotta say that movie for me uh, it really makes me feel like I'm going through a breakup as I'm watching it because you totally fall in love with the characters. They're both so charming and like what they do for each other is kind of what I feel like in some ways we all want out of a relationship, just that sense of poetry. And and then the the pain, the inevitable doom, you know, for anyone who's had their heart broken, um, it, it, it cuts right into that and... and I definitely, it, when I watch it, it brings up some of that heart pain for sure. Yeah, and, and you're so right about that. And this, uh... <laughs> like that's oh that's yeah. how it feels. That's how oh. it feels in the mute, and you know that that heartbreak. Yeah. Um, definitely my favorite Kate Winslet role. And uh, definitely, you know, just a combo of Mark Ruffalo. It's got um, Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood and Kirsten uh, Dunst. Kirsten Dunst is amazing, She's and great. that whole that whole scene where they're just partying on top of him and yeah. dancing and stuff—that was all like improvised. Okay. They just they just—that's what I mean. Is the movie feels super fresh and super raw, like mm. as if they just flipped the cameras on and they kind of had a vague sense of what was supposed to happen. And um, it's a very original, unique, unique way to make a movie. And um, that one—that one definitely hit me pretty, pretty hard when it came out. They—they they do a really good job of uh, of establishing that feeling of heartbreak when you're like don't want to lose someone like that sense of loss and just what it means to lose. It's so, uh, you know, they're, they're so eloquent in how they lay it out in that film. That's a great choice, man. I, I was thinking about that one and it actually, I think that's a really good segue into my number six um, because the, the movie that I've chosen is very similar in its, uh, in that it's kind of like a psychological thriller, but like with some heartwarming aspects to it as well. So Jesse, for my number six, um, and I just thought of this one last night and I was like, I can't believe I was going to, I had almost forgot it because it's just one of those movies that I think I'll be watching again and again till the day I die. And that is uh, Donnie Darko. Nice. Um, You know, Jake Gyllenhaal at a very young age, just absolutely crushing it. It's, you know, it's this story of, you know, 90s suburbia and the dark roots that lie beneath, you know, what is seemingly, you know, this positive middle class existence and just that, you know, just exploring that kind of dark underbelly of 
suburbia and the middle class life and the repression of of darkness as well as like the you know they play around with time in this as well and and have some uh really amazing symbolism come up i don't think there's anything creepier than the bunny when he's looking in the mirror and you know i think that uh gyllenhaal as donnie you know he does this amazing job of like at 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 the same time being like very creepy but also at the also endearing you're still like rooting for him you're still you know getting emotionally attached even though he is kind of like this little gremlin-y character and uh yeah. just you know it's it's another one of those movies that at the end I, i'm always just like wow you know like like what a what did i just experience you know yeah a movie that takes you on a trip like where you you come out of it and it's like you've kind of gone somewhere else and you lived it and you're sort of new it comes out of new i mean that movie had that movie came out like two weeks before September 11th or something. And there's a giant airplane crash in it. Wow. That's super crazy. Um, Patrick Swayze is awesome. Weirdly like a great character in it. Jenna Malone. I had a huge crush on that. The girl that's the love interest in it. And it's got the, uh... Oh yeah. Yeah. Going out through the movie with the piano, Mad World, all that stuff. Oh. It's such a vibe. There's such a vibe to that. It, that vibe. that the choice of that song at the very end too, it really to me sums up all the emotions that like the audience is feeling at the very end and it like it's like such a fitting uh you know, like a uh, final flourish on that work of art yeah. that like you're like already there and then man that song hits and you're just like oh i'm feeling it you know you it, it yeah and patrick swayze i gotta echo that man that their choice of casting him um in that role as like the kind of creepy you know uh even his name jim cunningham it just like he, you know yeah. he, he, it almost reminds me of uh tom cruise's character in magnolia a little bit where oh, it's like an actor stepping out of his comfort zone to play, you know, to be this like kind of eccentric character and just nailing the comedy front. Um, yeah, I, I, got, I met Patrick Swayze before he died. Oh, and he really? said to me, he, no, he didn't say anything about <laughs> Darn and Darko to me, but I would, I would have asked him because I saw that movie like 12 times in high school. And okay. it's a movie you can keep rewatching and finding new things about it in it. Yeah. And, you know, one, one, one last trivia piece that uh, people might not be aware of is that actually uh, Jake Gyllenhaal and his sister Maggie play siblings in the movie. So you have that cool little familial underplay going on as well. And they're both just terrific on screen together. Yeah. It feels it's super real because yeah. um, it is real. And yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal is, he's been in so many good movies, but this one is, I mean, it, it came out, September 11th happened. They had to change part of the airplane stuff. It got re-released. Not yeah. a lot of people saw it. Then it slowly built up like this crazy cult following. And I'm so glad that it did because... What did they I'm take out? You, did they yeah. take out the airplane, like the engine falling or without they, getting they, wind? They, yeah, they... 
took, they fixed something on it, but they didn't really, it wasn't a huge change, but it was more of just like, there was a weird vibe already going on in that movie. And, and with, with that movie, basically I'm so glad that it freaking, I mean, if September 11th happens first, that movie wouldn't have been made. Like, right, it, it, right. like it came out just in time. And, uh, and uh, I'm glad it's on your list because I didn't forget about that one. That one mm-hmm. was a big one. Totally, totally nice. All right, we, we're halfway here, buddy, and and we're doing great. And uh, it's it's I've been I've been learning a lot about you through your choices. It's I might have, we might have to sit down and watch some of these with each other when this whole uh, ban gets lifted because you know there's nothing. One of the things I got to say about movies like these. Um, I can like watch a movie that I love as many times uh, with new people because you're getting to see it through their eyes. And one of my favorite things to do is to introduce someone that I care about to like a film that is important to me. Um, And so, you know, I I keep getting excited when I put a name down and then you tell me you haven't seen it because I'm like, oh, maybe that means I get to watch it with Jesse in the future. That'd be awesome. I would love that. (laughs) That's that's one of my... My uh, my gal Lauren hasn't seen so many good movies for some reason. It's weird. So I've been rewatching a lot of these that are on my list with her, nice. um, and it's funny to see it again. It's funny to see how how you know sometimes a movie isn't as great as you remember it, but it just holds up in its own way. And it's it hit you know when things hit you at a certain time, like uh, my next movie, which I would say for my number five. It could be any movie by this director, but I put this one down, and it it doesn't even have to be this director. I'm really bummed I don't have a Coen Brothers movie on this list, mm. but um, this movie that I put down is like, if I, if I was just going to smoke weed and want to enjoy watching a, a beautiful movie, maybe that movie would be The Life Aquatic with Ooh, Steve Zissou, because nice. you got the Bowie soundtrack, which I have uh, in, in Portuguese, I have a, by uh, I forget his name, but it's I have that on vinyl. The the Mark Mothersbaugh music. You have like one of the most funny, interesting casts. You have like amazing shots that show different parts of the boat and the ship, and you're kind of like on this weird journey. And it's like kind of like one of the best Bill Murray roles, even though there's been so many good ones around that time. Yeah. But for some reason, he's, he's so good. Sort of, yeah, he nails it, and like. There's like just this classical majestic like vibe with like the big Italian theater that has all the people watching his films and um, Angelica got, Houston also yeah. is so good as his wife. Dude, she's amazing. Jeff Goldblum and Willem uh, Dafoe. Yeah, Willem Dafoe. It's like my one of my favorite Willem Dafoe. Uh, that just that scene alone with Willem Dafoe slapping him and walking away. <laughs> um, it's one of the rare movies that i actually enjoy kate blanchett in (laughs) yeah yeah she's she's good and i don't love her (laughs) but in this one she's great (laughs) she's good in it and like honestly i could put like darjeeling limited or even like isle of dogs like i could put Mm -hmm. most other wes anderson movies but for some reason i feel like that movie was like the hipster stoner movie when it came out that like if you were a cool hipster stoner like that was like your anthem yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? right. the movie like what defined sort of oh, like yeah. a certain generation of, of people and uh it's so beautiful to look at like you're right. literally 
like you got stop motion animation yeah of, like, that, different it... yeah yeah you and know that's, that's... That's from, by the way, that's the stop motion dude who did directed Nightmare Before Christmas. I was gonna say it's definitely reminiscent of of that style, um, and almost it, it reminded me kind of of Beetlejuice a little bit too with some of that. You know, I don't know if it's the same guy, yeah. but I was gonna say, uh, you know, that like like Tarantino, like it was really hard for me to make the decision not to have Wes Anderson any Wes Anderson movies on my list, and I think that largely was because it just didn't feel right choosing any one because like I could have put in, you know, actually had grand Budapest hotel on the list and I had to switch it out. Um, it's right. It's still like underneath my list next to a couple others, but it's one of those things where I wish I could just put Wes Anderson on the list, you know, because those, yeah, his movies, the tenant Royal Tenenbaums, you know, the Mm -hmm. moonrise kingdom, um, everything by him I love uh and those are ones that I I like hold off watching by myself because I so want to watch them with other people who maybe haven't seen them um they're like the best date movies too I I feel like (laughs) yeah no seriously one of my first dates was with Lauren watching Grand Budapest Hotel um Bottle Rocket there's just like every single since the beginning he came out so strong and uh makes the movies that he wants to make and they're like you can say fantastic mr foxy you oh. can say like oh it's so wes anderson right. but like he that's what he does that's the style he likes and mm-hmm. that's the style he does and like, he does it very he, well yeah the symmetry um color his color in his movies mm-hmm. is like top notch yeah for sure but, uh, great choice could, could not pick one of his just yeah. like i couldn't want great great awesome well, that brings me to my number five. And uh, I will say that this is probably the the oldest film on my list, the most classic. Um, it's one that's been, you know, in my top five since my childhood when I first saw it. Um, and a movie I think you'll agree with me, Jesse, has a very special place, not just in the film, but also the music world. And that is perhaps, you know, the great, in my opinion, the greatest heist movie of all time, which is The Sting. Um, If you guys haven't seen it, it's classic Robert Redford and Paul Newman. Just, you know, you can't get a better duo than those guys. And it's just about um, hustlers in in the 70s. And it's a hilarious film. That famous song, The Entertainer, is the theme song for it. There we go. <laughs> yeah, it opens with an overture and it's just it's just one of those movies that has these two, you know, two of the most attractive uh guys, you know, of their era just like at their peak giving their best performances. Um anyone that likes card movies, if you liked Ocean's 11, if you're into twists and heists this is the one that kind of you know i feel like started a lot of that a lot of those yeah i mean butch cassidy is probably the only other movie i can think of that has robert redford that could 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 compete in my mind because mm-hmm. but it's i just because i haven't seen this thing in a, in, a, in a while and i and it is an amazing movie and i really want to rewatch it now because um Paul Newman, yeah, that's just 
It's awesome. One of the cool <laughs> things, because I, I have Butch Cassidy down in my, like, you know, I, I made a list of, like, maybe 30 or 40 movies, and then I had to choose 10 from them. And Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid is in there and easily could have been swapped out for The Sting. I had to put The Sting in there just because it's such a unique film. There's so many different Westerns. And, um, you yeah. know, one, one interesting point is... I think those two movies were made very like within this small range of time. And in those two movies, uh, Newman and Redford swapped mustaches. So I think in Mm. Butch Cassidy, uh, you know, it's Redford who's sporting the mustache. And then in the sting Newman has the mustache. So it's kind of nice to watch them both in a short period of time. And you can kind of notice all the little changes. That's awesome. It's one of my favorite, my brother's, favorite movies okay if my brother had a list it would be on his list well that, so. that makes me feel real good that i did right by yeah. gabe <laughs> shout <laughs> out to gabe by the way kimmy gadams um nice man i'm glad that you have a classic you need classics because mm-hmm. we'd be nothing without them yeah and paul newman by the way i feel like i haven't seen enough of his classic movies and i really want to go on a, just a paul newman oh, dive man. i just watched hudsucker proxy I tried to, is a cult. Yeah, yeah, I tried to get and through that with my brother and we couldn't get there. Yeah. It's hard, but like Paul Newman in that movie, like he's just lights up the screen. Like mm-hmm. everything, he's super dark and messed up in that movie, but totally. um, it, it's so cool. And Coen Brothers tried to get him in that movie for 10 years okay. and uh, I'm glad he signed up for yeah. it anyways. Have you seen um, Cool Hand Luke? I, that's the thing. I don't. Even, I don't think I've even seen Cool Hand. Because that's that should be like your next Newman movie yeah. that you see uh, after The Sting. It's that that one's almost like his One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. It's just like an amazing film. I know. I hear some great things about it. And is it the what, music good in it too? Is it, yeah, is yeah. I, I haven't seen it in years, but it just was one of those ones that made me feel so warm inside. You know, and and like. Uh, it, it just Newman, he's just like oozes charisma on the screen and has this way you can just, you watch those kind of movies. And I feel like you see an archetype that our parents' generation gravitated towards. There's a lot of, there's a lot of dudes that are now in their like fifties and sixties that modeled their style after Newman, you know? Yeah. I'm going to get some, some of his salad dressing and watch. I got, dude, I got a bottle of it uh, in my fridge right now. Nice, nice. <laughs> Sick. All right, down to number four. What do you got, bro? Number four. I, well, I feel like my 13-year-old self is starting to come out a little bit. Thank God. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I rewatched this one recently as well. And I, I just think it's like, I'm going to describe it before I say it because it's such an obvious pick, but I think it's super exciting, super unique, takes you on a ride, is an original idea. It kind of does everything, is visually different than anything. It does everything you kind of want cinema to do. And in in some ways, to me, that makes it a perfect movie. That's The Matrix. Oh, nice. Nice. So I couldn't, I, when I saw that movie as a kid with my brother, we didn't, my parents were like, we're going to watch this movie, The Matrix. And I was like, what? The Matrix? Like, what's this about? (laughs) What's like, I had no idea. Didn't see a trailer. Didn't know who's in it. 
Those are the best. I saw Austin Powers that way. Yeah. No Country best for way to, Old Men. Yeah. Best yeah, way to no find Country for Old Men. Yeah. You got to just walk into it. And when that movie starts, immediately it's got Vertigo, film noir vibes. And everyone's howling out there for the uh, for our healthcare workers. But, um, essential workers but yeah. uh yeah so basically even just rewatching it like the freaking 90s style is so cool like it's yeah. still such a cool movie and Lawrence Fishburne I mean oh. every every monologue from Agent Smith it's like uh the the whole fact that like you kind of don't know what's going to happen halfway through the movie all of a sudden you're like is he the one he's not the one right and takes on just such a great trip and um i want to get stuff downloaded in my brain so i can be great at kung fu didn't we all want that yeah um and and like even when i rewatched it with lauren the fact that like when the truth is finally revealed like where the like what humans are like it's pretty disturbing still like it still feels really weird and dark and wrong and um and plausible you know yeah i was just gonna say that like that was another one that that uh i had to cut off that easily could have made my top 10 uh, i think it took me a couple times to watch it before i actually understood what they were saying in the story it, yeah it had so many twists i think you know to my 12 year old brain it, it, it was hard to fully comprehend like what it all meant but i recently rewatched that you know like it like a month ago and was just like i think it took me a couple hours to go to bed after that because i was just so jacked because it was just like yeah man it was so good and ending with the you know with the rage against the machine uh yeah. just you know the cashmere inspired rage yeah. against the machine track when he just blasts off it, it you know, my, my only thing about the matrix is I really wish they had just kept it at one. Uh, it was a yeah. movie that I really felt like didn't need a sequel. <laughs> and, um, you know, and now there's new ones. He just filmed new ones in San Francisco. Yeah. Right. Number uh, four. My friend Tanner was an extra on it. And, uh, but you know, what actually is kind of cool is the animatrix. If yeah. You get to watch the animatrix. Yeah, it's it's a great different thing. stories, different backstories, but it's not at all the, the, jesus plot Mm -hmm. that the movie turned into yeah i mean that is another i think so many great movies were just perfect the first time and that movie ends also where like he can fly he can do anything and it's still super cool and it leaves your imagination going it also has like some of the best action like if you were alive you had that dvd like the matrix dvd everybody (laughs) owned the matrix on dvd it was like and you like even the menu where they're like just shooting in slow motion and they're just Uh, jumping around like the menu on loop is just like in everybody's psyche like um but uh great great that as well as the like shot of the screen with the numbers coming down i feel like that was just like a total part of my childhood that that is very vivid um you need awesome. that, that green yeah that greenish yellowish tint on mm-hmm. 90s movies yeah that's that's what i'm all about if i Damn. if i make any music videos i'm only gonna put that tint on everything great oh i'll have to keep that in mind if we ever work together <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Cool, man. Well, great choice. Um, so far, we're still going strong with not having any of the same films. We haven't talked at all about what movies were going to be on our list. We did agree this morning that we were going to keep uh, animation off of it just because that can be its own standalone thing and it would have just been so hard. Uh, but um, so far, we've had unique lists and um, that'll yeah. bring me to my number four, uh, which is also a sci-fi movie. Um, and arguably, you know, by a lot of people could be argued to be like the greatest or one of the greatest. This is one that, um, came out in 1979. It was one that really redefined the era. And I think launched like a million like sci-fi horror films. Um, and that's Alien. Uh, I, I, it's, this is a movie that like I saw when I was little and didn't quite fully get it. Um, and the older that I got, like I've, I've seen it, you know, more times and every time I watch it, it's like exponentially better. And I find that I'm enjoying it exponentially more. The latest time I watched it, I was just the set design for the era. Um, just so incredible. The story, I think above all, what Alien does for me is what I think any truly great sci-fi movie uh, does, which is makes your skin crawl. When I see a sci-fi, I want that like grit that just makes me like feel like there's something under my skin, that there's something going to burst out of my stomach and that the suspense in that film, um, the set design with like this, the, the rugged, dirty industrial feel. I think it's all too absent in modern, in contemporary science fiction movies. Everything's too clean. And then just, you know, the introduction of Sigourney Weaver, who, basically breaks the game with her uh, performance and proves to the world that uh, the female badass archetype is like totally a valid character. And the job that she does in, in, you know, just being this kind of badass, but like sexy, but like totally plausible character who's like a run of the mill normal person, but also, you know, having to like, come to grips with like the most terrifying situation. Um, I just can't say enough good things. I love this movie. I, it just is perfect in my opinion. Yeah. You told me um, about alien, like a couple, maybe six months ago when we were driving down LA and mm. like how great, how great it was and how much you loved it. And I, you know, sometimes I get the aliens, alien, alien resurrection. I've like seen most of them, but yeah, I don't think I like gave the love of just alien and I put that on like maybe two months ago. And, um, I agree with all the things you just said, the grittiness, the John hurt and just the vibe of it is, um, it's just so unique. And it, it, it's one of those things where I'm glad other sequels were made afterwards, but that movie just holds up so well. And that scene when, um, the stomach when the alien yeah. comes out of the stomach i oh, guess yeah. they like i according to imdb trivia they didn't tell all the actors what was going to happen and so there's this uneasy feeling like something's going to happen and you don't know what it is and there's genuine shock when the alien does come out and it's such a classic scene and uh oh that man, one that one yeah. actress's like moan right after it happens where she's just like oh it's like the creepiest moment of the whole thing. It's just like this like moaning of like pure despair that like 
cuts me right to the bone you know man you're yeah that movie that spaceship the loneliness oh. it's just perfect horror and sci-fi com- combined it's like the best of all those things totally great yeah nice yeah. man cool man well uh here we are we've made it to the final three in our countdown um if, for those of you that are still hanging around like big uh big air high fives corona approved gestures of love and affection from the both of us um jesse i can't wait to hear um your your final three what, what what's sitting in the three spot for you top three top three this is uh so many um so many good movies out there now we're getting to movies that really hit hit me in a spot at, and um I, this next movie was, it, it, I, I'd say probably is the movie I've seen the most amount of times. Um, and when it came out, I just had a really bad streamed quality version of it, like an MP2 that like had looked horrible. But I remember I literally watched that 42 times. So I counted how many times I watched it, and that number's in my head. I've also read 42 Goosebumps, so maybe I just like the number 42. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Jackie Robinson. Fight Club. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Jackie Robinson. Fight Club is my number three. Nice. Um, when that movie came out, first of all, Chuck Palahniuk, the author who wrote the book, it's also one of my favorite books. I read pretty much every one of his books since that movie came out, just because I loved the, the, the style of writing that that movie had. But um, David Fincher as a director, it's, it's, it's the best Fincher film in terms of you get the early, you get the nineties Fincher, like seven and the game mm-hmm. and fight club. And then you get panic room and banging <laughs> and button and all the movies that came after they're all great movies, but you can obviously tell like Fight Club was the peak pinnacle of his a great author. Yeah. yeah, a great director who was um it, it kind of was to me the movie that made me want to be a filmmaker the most. I read a book called Rebels on the Backlot, which I recommend for everybody to read if you're into filmmaking. It tells the story of um David Fincher, uh Spike Jones, Quentin Tarantino, um, Andy Kaufman, all these directors who were making movies on big uh, Hollywood budget films that the, the for some reason the studio system didn't realize how controversial the, their film was and they were keeping that from and somehow still got the movie made. Mm. Um, and Fight Club is the perfect movie in that it got away with so much at the time and if it didn't come out uh in 1999 it would have never been made like Mm -hmm. there's there's like literal terrorism in the movie there's there's just so many great twists and turns um helen boham carter it's like a beautiful amazing role from her um the the shots in the movie the soundtrack the dust brothers with all the beats and there's a tom waits song it's super gritty and I can understand why people hate on it because people think it's like about fighting and it's about it's broy and yeah. it has this. But the thing that got me was like it's very much woke in its like realization about our consumer capitalist America that we live in and how 
like we are sort of brainwashed into thinking we need to live certain lives that we don't necessarily need to live and we can think outside the box. And in some ways it's very, very freeing in that way. And I just feel like every scene and every Easter egg that that movie leaves, like kind of it, you can rewatch it that many times and still find something new about it. And, um, I just kind of like that it kind of that movie hit it out of the park and um, sort of like what the band Radiohead did to me, the movie Fight Club did to me, and it was just like, okay, I gotta, I gotta do this movie making thing because this yeah. is just too cool. Right. Yeah, I mean, having Edward Norton and Brad Pitt standing, you know, you know, facing each other in a film is is immediately going to be something worth checking out, and they just both, you know, gave the performance of their lives and. You know, for me, it's it's interesting because I think that it starts off in a very similar way that The Matrix does in a certain way, you know, with like that kind of uh, character who's stuck in the late 90s hustle office world. And um, for yeah. me, there's like these two scenes that really stood stand out and continue to stand out for me, which is the first one is, is when he beats himself up in his boss's office. It's like the ultimate like revenge fantasy, just taking away all power from this person who who thought they were in total control. Um, And then the scene at the end where they're watching the buildings go up and pixies, pixies, yeah, and and it just is like such a. I mean, I felt elation when I watched that. Yeah, you know, it's it's this like freeing of like you know, they're killing everyone's debt. You know, it's like something that's very apropos at the moment. I feel like we can all uh, identify with. Yeah. And that, that ending is different than the book ending. Mm-hmm. And um, it's just, everybody downloaded that Pixie song on Kazaa. Yeah. Kazaa, <laughs> man, that's Morpheus. Or uh, Napster after. <laughs> and that made me a Pixies fan as well. There was just, there was a lot of things like that. And there's, um, another thing, if you're if you've seen the movie before and you want to rewatch it again, just listen to the sound design because the sound design in that movie is so like, for instance, the scene where the woman is talking about her cancer and how lonely she is, and then she starts to talk about sexual thoughts and it gets very uncomfortable in one of the uh, meetings in the rooms. Yeah. You start to hear in the distance like a bunch of kids screaming and running down the hall and it, act, it just there's just little bits of sound that happen in very uncomfortable moments mm. that are just hilarious and uh just just amazing i i think just all different departments graphic department you know every, the acting everything is done so well in that movie that it's it could not be on my list nice yeah that, that movie yeah. exemplifies grit and uh, yeah. I'm not surprised that it made it made it in your top three. That's awesome. Well, nice. um, I'm going to carry on uh, into my top three. And, you know, if you didn't think I was a sci-fi nerd before, um, now <laughs> you're going to have to accept the fact that I am. Because sitting in my three spot, I think, is just probably the most epic sci-fi movie of my lifetime. Um, that came out while I was alive. I saw this one 
at least three times when it came to theaters. And it's one that if it's on TV, I'm going to like watch it. I don't really watch cable anymore, but if I did, uh, that would be one I would have to stick with. And that's the fifth element. Um, it just, the world that was built, uh, it's so alive from the flying cars in the city to, you know, all these little like comedic asides that really get to like the culture of what like mid nineties future life was like. Um, Bruce Willis is amazing as just the action hero. And, uh, you know, you have Chris Tucker who does an amazing job as the comedic relief. And you just have all the gritty aliens and, you know, Gary Oldman is this like bumbling antagonist who just crushes his role. And, you know, it just all around, you know, um, I just can't say enough things about it that I love. Um, even, you know, we can't leave out um, the fifth element herself and I'm totally spacing on her name and I have to look it up. Is it Mira Sovino? Or did I get that wrong? I think I always mix it up with her if it's not. I got to look this up while while I'm talking about it. Um, truly, like, just one of the most badass uh, female roles as well. Oh, no, Mia Jovovich, my, my bad. Oh, yeah. Know, just, I mean, was there ever a character that possessed a, a young prepubescent Hobart in his life? I don't know. Like she just in that with the red hair and that like future top and, you know, the scene where they're regrowing the bone and building her back together, you know, even though the CGI is super dated now, it just, ah, oh man, I just can't say enough about it. I love the fifth okay. element. That's, so that's my number three. I've never seen it and I'm watching it tonight. Watch it tonight, because dude. Yeah. I, I will because I've actually been looking at it and I've almost watched it like six times in the last month and it somehow didn't happen and I was going to text you like, I watched it because I know you love this movie and it seems like a movie I would love too. So, um, Dude, smoke is... a fatty right during the opening <laughs> credits. Just just roll yourself up one, have it primed. And I cannot wait. Just, I want you like feeling it coming on as the first scene unfolds because it just, from the start, it's one of those movies that like brings you in right away, you know? I'm going, I got a, so I got a sound bar. I finally got a sound nice. bar. So I'm literally going to do exactly what you just stated in about 45 minutes. I'm but, so excited. Um, but thank you. No, I, I cannot wait. I think, dude, Mia jo Jovovich, Resident Evil, shout out, best mm -hmm. worst movie. Right. <laughs> no, man, there's just, just too many, uh, you know, little moments in the film, you know, it, and, it, and it's such a colorful, fast-paced movie that it's easy to miss, but there's just, the way that they weave the comedy in throughout that film and still make it feel like a serious action sci-fi um, you know, I think that's the other ele element that I really enjoy in science fiction is like the kind of bizarre, uh, inappropriate humor that crops up, you know, at seeming moments that are like supposed to have a little more gravitas. Um, I'm, I'm that's so excited for you to see it. I feel like I need to maybe, you know, watch it as well. <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, cool, man. Um, great. Well, here we are. Final two. Uh, it, we've still managed to get through our 10 without 
having any in common. And uh, I'm really <laughs> quite excited to hear about your number two. And I'll be very surprised if it's the same as mine. We haven't touched tips yet. We haven't That's... touched tips. No, we've like uh, like two um... passing sausages in a dark hallway. Nothing but the, the air that has been stirred <laughs> has flown between us. I, I love that though, because <laughs> you are so great in that, you know, the things that you've seen at the times that you've seen them might differ from when I've seen them and the times I've seen them and hit you in a different way. And I can see that you love sci-fi, that you love Western, that you, that you love a vibe. And I'm so glad that I haven't seen like some of these movies because I have so much to look forward to. Like yeah, dude, I've um... seen the movies that I love already <laughs> enough. I already know exactly what happens in every one of these movies. So I'm really excited. This is cool. Um, this, uh, my number two, I have to say the coolest thing about my number two is it was literally the first movie I ever saw. Ooh. And I'm talking about as a baby in the movie theaters. Wow. So you can't beat that. You can't beat somehow number two being the first movie you ever saw. That movie is Do the Right Thing. Huh. So uh, Spike Lee, Spike Lee, um, a Spike Lee joint. It's not sci-fi. It's kind of the opposite of sci-fi. It's super <laughs> real, super down to earth. Uh, I rewatched it a few nights ago with Lauren, who had never seen it. And um, it's almost like it's a play. And it's got some of the most unique filmmaking things happening, some of the most unique characters. What I love about it is that nobody in that movie is a bad person, even though that there's bad things that happen. Everybody is completely motivated in their own way and has their own ideas and their own opinions. And it's just the butting of heads between people's opinions. And the big conflict at the end kind of turns into something that is just a amalgamation of everybody's, you know, woes and problems and the heat of the day. And like it just shows like kind of I love Spike Lee's movies and it really he he's all about like what's wrong with our society and our humanity. And I feel like that nothing does that better than do the right thing even the title and the fact that it has fight the power by public enemy as mm. the theme of that movie playing nice. throughout the entire time um it literally just opens with a dance montage of one of the main actresses doing these amazing dance moves to that entire song and then that song gets played like seven more times in the movie it's like it doesn't even matter it's got john Turturro in an amazing role it's got Spike Lee playing himself, uh, not himself, but playing a version of the Brooklyn. If you've ever been in New York and been in Brooklyn, this is the old school best vibe that you can get. And it just shows what a neighborhood is. Um, it's colorful. It's never, I don't feel like the, the black perspective was ever really witnessed or embraced or a story told through those eyes as well as do the right thing up until that point. Mm. So in a way that it was, you know, decades of cinema that I really feel like we had been missing out on. And um, that story is so well told. 
and it makes you want to be a better person. And I feel like movies should make you want to be a better person. And um, so my first film, Do the Right Thing, I still love it. It's probably one of my dad's favorite movies. It's one of our family's favorite movies. And uh, and I love Public Enemy. So there well, we go. Hey, I have never seen this movie. I think I may have heard it mentioned a couple times, but it's been totally off my radar. So I'm going to have to put that one on my list for sure. And I think me and... Me and the Chone will definitely be uh, be watching this one in the near future. Um, I've been, nice. you know, we're, we've got our our brother list, and I'm always trying to remember the ones that I've seen that he hasn't seen. Um, but I can say that this is one of those rare movies that neither of us um, have seen. We're definitely gonna have to check that one out. Awesome, nice man. Well, that brings me to my number two, which. Uh, I, when I'm thinking about like all the different titles and different films, like this is the one that I felt would probably like, if I was talking to like a serious quote unquote film enthusiast, this is probably the one that would like, I'd probably get like the biggest like negative response from. Um, and maybe that says something about me. Maybe that says something about them. I don't know. All I know is this movie was very, very important to me in my life. Uh, I watched it every day with my older brother the summer before I started high school. And some days we watched it twice in the day. We'd watch it in the morning. And then by the evening time, we'd be like, hey, you want to watch it again? So it really was that movie where it just couldn't get played out. Um, And that movie is Dazed and Confused. Um, It's just... Everything a young, you know, prepubescent, pubescent boy could hope for to be their experience in high school. I think the thing that really resonates for me about this film is that it speaks to the inherent melancholy that everybody uh, in our generation uh, got by birthright as having missed out on the 60s and the 70s. And that kind of like free love hang culture that we're all like in our own way longing for and seeking, you know, whether we go into music, whether we go into the music festival scene, it's just something that I've always like had this like subtle heart pain about that I didn't get to live during that time. And this film for me was like a gateway towards feeling what it must have been like. The the soundtrack is so good. It was uh, Matthew McConaughey's first film. Um, The early Ben Affleck as well, who plays a great, uh, you know, villain in it. And just, you know, for those who who don't know, it tells the story of, it's kind of like a rotating protagonist, but the main storyline is about this young uh, incoming freshman in the 70s, uh, 1976. His last day of, of middle school, first day of summer, and you know, just getting caught up in hazing, and going to parties with older girls, and you know, just it, it's a party movie, and it just is so wonderfully, like the energy is so wonderfully paced. Um, it's a movie that I could watch again and again and never get sick of. Uh, I just, yeah, I got a lot of warm feelings about Dazed and Confused. It's definitely one of the most universally beloved party movies. Yeah that I can think of like if you if you see like independently owned cinema houses that movie is always playing at some point 
because it's just so great. And I, it is, it's like hanging out with all these people. And Richard Linklater is, is an underrated director, in my opinion. I mean, School of Rock, Boyhood, so many good movies. And this one was, is, you know, it's, it, it's got the best Matthew McConaughey. Oh, the most (laughs) (laughs) yeah and i i think like i heard a story that and and correct me if i if you've heard otherwise but apparently like matthew mcconaughey you know at, at this point wasn't an actor and was kind of i think he was like working on set as like a maybe like a carpenter um I forget, you know, this could all be hearsay, but I, I, I felt like he was not, um, really serious in acting and he just kind of fell into the role and it like launched his career. It was like one of those situations where, you know, similar to like Harrison Ford or other like actors where it wasn't like something they came into with a career in mind, but they just happened to be, uh, brought in and, and killed the role and, it launched their career. And so, um, yeah, I mean, he's just so perfect in it. Um, you know, you got Jason London who plays, you know, the great, a great, you know, that's the thing I love about it is like Matthew McConaughey is kind of the biggest face in the movie and he's not even really like the movie and same with Ben Affleck. Like they're the biggest names in the movie and they're minor roles and all the, the main characters are these faces that have gone to do a couple things here and there. Also, uh, Mila Jovovich is also in this film and she's great. Um, but you, you know, it's a refreshing cast of fresh faces. Everybody plays their character so well. Um, you know, there's so many good one-liners and, uh, yeah, it's just one of those ones that like, if you want to feel good, watch this movie, it's going to make you feel good. Totally. Totally. Cool. Well, uh, we've gotten to our number one and I'm really curious if we're going to have the same number one now, because in the back of my head, uh, I've been waiting and thinking maybe like this would come up as one of your picks and it hasn't. And like either we're just on completely different pages, which would be really interesting, or we're on exactly the same page, which would be really interesting as well. Um, and you know, I, in the, throughout this whole episode, podcast, whatever, I've been like questioning, like, do we say our number one at the same time? Do we, we should. stagger I, I, it? I, I, I was just thinking we, we should, we should do a one, two, three, number yeah. one. Should we yeah, do no it? Go. Just one, two, three, number one. Okay. All right. You would, should we do it wait, right wait, now? Let's, let's just before, before the truth the serious deep truth of yeah. our favorite film is revealed simultaneously. Yeah. We have to thank our sponsors. Um, Martin Scorsasa. Martin Scorsasa, of course. Um, and uh, Squirt. Squirt is one of our sponsors. Squirt, Squirt, Diet your thirst. Squirt. Yeah, yeah. And I think they're um, coming out with Squirt Purple in the coming months. Grape Squirt. Uh it's a uh, a new take on a classic favorite. <laughs> and then let's also um, not forget um, a new sponsor to the podcasting marketplace. And that is Little Tyke's Scented Band-Aids. Um, scented Band-Aids aren't, they've never really caught on. 
never really been a thing. Maybe a brief stint in the early 90s, but uh, they're bringing it back with all natural flavors. And, you know, if you ever wanted to know what, if you want your wound to smell like a Laffy Taffy, um, this, the Little Tyke scented band-aids. Absolutely. If, if you're a filmmaker or if you love watching movies, you've been hurt many times. And this is something that would be good to have in your collection of first aid. Yeah. I mean, whether it's, whether you've been hurt emotionally or physically, likely both, uh, you know, a scented bandaid can, can kill all birds with its stone. It, it, uh, they say that the smell is most closely associated with emotions and with memory. And so whether you just skinned your knee on set or you skinned your heart, you know, on film, uh, this is one you want to, you're going to want to patch that up with. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So here we are finally to the number one, number one, number one seed spot on our list of top tens. Are you ready for the countdown, Jesse? Can we count down from 10? Let's count down from 10. Can we... Should we do, like, just quickly say what our other nine was, just to recap? Um, or should we just do the countdown? Are you going to, maybe you could have it in, I don't know, comments. We've been, we've, we've gone from the fifth element to the Matrix to Alien to Eraserhead, and now we are ready to reveal the our favorite one. film. All right, here we go. 10, 9, nine 8, eight seven, 7, Star Wars. Show. <laughs> Wait, what was yours? <laughs> mine was Truman Show, and yours was Star Wars. Yes, mine was well. Mine was the Star Wars original trilogy. I had to include those three as one. Is, is that I, is that allowed on your own show? I broke my yeah. Show? I made you know it just would have been too hard. It would have taken up a third of my choices, and I wanted to talk about more films. So you know, love me, hate me. Star Wars OST, that's uh, that's my number one spot. But let's talk about yours first, The Truman Show. Okay. Tell me about it. Well, I feel like all my movies have had a similar vibe in that Jim Carrey or bizarre things or strange comedy or maybe it's, maybe it's just not realizing that you're in your own world and you have your own rules that you can create. I don't know what they all have in common, but for some reason, the Truman show to me is one of the best stories that that I love. And one of my favorite films um, of all time. And after watching it, I thought that I was in my own reality television show for weeks and would never look at the mirror the same way. Um, But it's really, to me, it's kind of the Adam and Eve story of 
finding waking up from your own consciousness and awareness to find the truth about who you are and what you are and then making the decision to live that life eat that apple you're now you know now you have life and death all of all of those things to me that movie um the music uh beautiful classical music as well as philip glass jim carrey and sort of the role that he turned around in it was sort of like nothing had ever he had never done anything like that before um ed harris plays a wonderful ep um, yeah, he's great yeah he's just he, you understand literally our culture has turned into the truman show world which is that everybody wants to can film and uh basically you know connect in a way of just having their lives sort of on display and um i think that movie really predicted that and also just tells a great story sort of of kind of having to be courageous even when you don't know what's sort of behind the wall and probably one of my favorite scenes of all time is when his boat finally hits the wall mm. that is the dome that is that he's been trying to escape from because he was afraid of sailing and it tears through the wall and it's just such a gorgeous shot of Jim Carrey still gives me shivers. Jim Carrey just like touching the, the wall that he had been kind of held back by and walking on water and walking up those steps. And the movie literally ends with him choosing to leave. Um, you don't see what happens after that. It's more of just, one of them where America finally sees the thing that they created leave. And then they're like, well, what's else, what else is on TV? And they just kind of switched the station after this amazing emotional moment. Mm -hmm. But, um, that movie to me kind of like it creates its own world. It has its own beautiful set of rules and the way that you kind of, it reveals itself as it goes on. It's just, just absolutely beautiful and completely original, and um, it's got you know. Yeah, I'm seeing a, of... I'm seeing a real uh, pattern in your movies of this this theme of like uh, waking up from a dream or or a, a person like uh, escaping their the confines of what they defined as their reality. You know, whether it's like The Matrix mm -hmm. or um, Fight Club or. You know, you you definitely have a theme going there with with these movies that are, uh, you know, kind of we're not in Kansas anymore kind of thing, and uh, yeah, I I remember seeing it when it came out, and uh, it was one of those movies that really had you glued to your screen. I still, when I'm driving these days, I still have flashbacks when cars pull out in front of me to that scene when he's trying to leave, and suddenly mm -hmm. all the cars pull onto the road in front of him. It's like, you know, a good yeah. movie will like become a meme that sticks with you in your life. And that's what that movie, that movie definitely like inserts itself into my consciousness at like these really unexpected moments where like suddenly I do have my own, like we, I think we all like can get transported to being Truman, uh, mm -hmm. you know, at, at certain points. Um, and yeah. And, and the commentary on, on American culture was super spot on with that. You know, it's, it's, uh, 
foresight a little bit ahead of its time and the um just the tv culture being one where everybody's just kind of on a endless feed of entertainment yeah and i i do have to give it up for laura linney um because she really that character is so important in the movie like um in terms of the idyllic sort of 1950s vibe that it brought and then once she's she's an actress in the movie playing the wife of Truman and the way that she deals with him starting to be crazy (laughs) because you would literally be crazy if you realized that your world was all manipulated for you and she's still trying to sell products and that scene in the kitchen when it's like who are you talking to yeah yeah, and like it's just uh just such a great develop build and um the it brings that movie brings a feeling like um even a movie like american beauty and a few Mm -hmm. movies that you mentioned as well on your list like once you watch that movie like literally just the action of watching it and then being yourself again right after it's like you just took a beautiful nap and you woke up or something like you're just you can you kind of are it like renews you in a mm-hmm. in a weird way and and it's spiritual it's as spiritual yeah. as cinema can get and that movie to me the music and the combination of what it's doing um i feel like certain movies if you can get chills from the same moment like um that moment when he crashes into the wall and there's a moment in Harold and Mob, the number 10 pick on my list. Certain moments in these movies, like if you watch it again and again, do the right thing, the climax is a moment. I still get the same chill sort of at the same spot. And it's like the way that they calculated the story, the acting, the music, and the emotion all to kind of make you get this beautiful feeling. That's masterful you know Mm -hmm. and um and if and if a movie can make you feel that then then that's the best we can do in terms of helping people get empathy or compassion and all of those other things so right yeah amen brother and and certainly uh i think the best form of escapism because movies are an escape from our normal uh consciousness but you know the ones that that i really come back to and love are the ones that i do feel refreshed after watching where you're like, wow, you know, that, that first emotion mm-hmm. afterwards, it's like, whoa. And you're like kind of riding a high after, you know, the, the credits roll and, um, great choice, man. Well, what can I say, you know, that hasn't already been said? Uh, I think star Wars for me is the most important story I've ever heard. Um, it was, you know, the, the, in my childhood, it was the thing that I found the coolest of anything. Um, I've watched Star Wars, the original, more than any other movie in my life. I could put it on and, and follow along word for word with every line. I'm pretty confident. Um, I could recite every line as the movie. Uh, but you get good power converters. Yeah. I, and I just they love it. I, it, it. You know, and, and, you know, the trilogy... Uh, you know, a lot of people prefer Empire Strikes Back as their favorite. It took me until my 20s, I think, uh, to see why and to understand, and I totally get it. And it's it's a beautiful 
um, a beautiful, like, uh, you know, unhappy ending, you know, divergence from the normal narrative. Um, but I think each of the three have it, their things that, that really stand out to me. The first one, you know, one of the things that I've been taking in, in my latest watching of all three of them was that the first one, you're watching all these actors and nobody knows what they have on their hands. Nobody knows how big this is going to be. They're all kind of cavalier, like laser sword. They're throwing out like the technical terms in a way where they're kind of like, yeah, whatever, I'm making like a space movie. Like this is going to be a joke, you know? And because of that, it, it has this certain innocence to it that makes it truly great, in my opinion. Like everybody's, nobody's phoning it in, but nobody's like really taking themselves too seriously. And it gives uh, a Han Solo a certain cavalier attitude that, you know, it gives uh, Mark Hamill the whiny teenager, you know, vibe. I mean, Carrie Fisher, is there a more beautiful, you know, sci-fi woman out there than... Carrie Fisher in A New Hope with the cinnamon roll hair. I mean, it's great. You know, it's everything I could want. Makes in me want to go to Cinnabon. Right. And, you know, just the use of the puppets, the Jim Henson puppets to me, and the the old models. I think that's where they really missed the boat on all the prequels and the remakes. Um, was just the, yeah, just the, that, that to me is Star Wars. The Jim Henson Muppets, the weird creatures where you'll have a wide shot and in the bottom left corner will be a little critter screwing around that gets eaten by a bigger critter doesn't further the plot at all it's just like creates the vibe of star wars and you know i remember being little i i got all the books i read all the authoritative guides and i would watch the movies looking for these characters that i would read about in the stories and there'd be chapters about the one guy at the end of the bar in the cantina scene who has a whole backstory that I didn't even know about that was some author decided to, to write about. It's just, it just was everything to me growing up. And it's part why I have such a hard time with the remakes and the prequels because they every time, you know, something comes out new that tries to redefine what Star Wars is to a new generation, it, it like hurts. I'm like, damn. That's what you no, guys sir. think it is. Like it's that's that's not Star Wars, you know. It's, uh, yeah. Um, what more can I say? I mean, the characters, you know, Harrison Ford again coming in as like a nobody and making this character. Nobody else could be Solo, you know. No, no one can do it like him. That's true. Um, you know, you got. You know, I, I think Mark Hamill, you know, coming in with a certain face and then he got into that car accident between uh, New Hope and Empire Strikes Back and he shows up in Empire Strikes Back and he's his face is different. And, and what do they do? Rather than just trying to play it off, they write it into the story and they wrap up his face because they're on a snow planet and then he gets mauled by an animal and then his face is mauled and different and his character is darker and you can see that like the actor is no longer the teen heartthrob. And now he's like got a little more complicated aspect to him. And the dark side is, you know, you can see that, like you can see Hamill a little more bitter in that role. And mm. that uh, to me, you know, just really feeds into the story and, you know, uh, 
what more can I say? Yeah. You know, it's Star Wars. It's 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 a it's a movie that I'll keep watching. You know, just like I'll keep Sorry. reading Lord of the Rings and yeah. the Lord of the Rings trilogy could have easily made this list. Um, Star Wars is something that I keep coming back to. The originals. I I don't really watch the other ones. I don't really. I've had to emotionally uh, excise them from from what I you know. I hope that someday in the distant future there will come a time when a production company will get their hands on the license rights from Disney and a visionary director will decide to make them in make you know to take the story back to the original expanded universe which had like 10,000 years of events on the timeline there was more authors writing in one universe than I think in any other franchise. You had so many different novelists uh, making careers out of creating a rich history for these characters. Um, and just to have Disney come in and like basically chop it all away and then put into like the most two-dimensional storyline with all these, you know, artifacts of our current, you know, society wrapped up in it. Um, I, you know, I, I went to see... Force Awakens, I loved the first 30 minutes of it. Um, I hated the rest of it once it, they went to their cantina scene with that awful green alien. Um, they lost me. And then in the second one, I was able to like think of it not as a Star Wars movie, but as just a sci-fi film. And I, I enjoyed it. And um, I won't talk about the third one. It was just a, a comedy. I chose to view it as a comedy. And, and I had fun. But yeah, the original trilogy, man, just was, was huge for me. I... The last yeah, anecdote. So, what were you going to say? Oh, sorry. No, no, no. You go for it. Just the last anecdote, you know, about, you know, the reason why I can speak about them as one uh, really dates back to, I think I was maybe eight or nine years old and my dad was recording an album. And, uh, you know, this is like pre like child care being like a normal thing. My family couldn't afford child care anyway. So my dad was going to go do a long session, an eight hour session or something. And, you know, my mom was helping with producing it. And so, uh, me and my brother were just in tow and the, and the recording studio had a little separate room with a TV and a VCR. And, uh, the solution for me and my brother was that we got to bring the entire trilogy of star Wars, you know, new hope, empire strikes back, return of the Jedi. Mm -hmm. And I just remember being so excited that I was going to get to sit down and watch my favorite three movies back to back to back. And me and my brother curled up with popcorn and we started watching them. And the music was so loud that, you know, coming just from the other side of the wall that I remember in my little eight year old brain, like I locked the door and somehow that made the deadbolt made it sound quieter to me. And me and my brother fell asleep in the middle of Jedi and our parents finished the session and they couldn't get the door open and they're just pounding at the door trying to wake us up and we couldn't wake up and they eventually had to take the door off its hinges uh, to get us to leave. But uh, yeah, just, you know, so many moments like that, you know, there, I'm, there's been many New Year's Eves where all I wanted was to watch the, the, the trilogy and uh, yeah, yeah, it's just a real special yeah. one for me. Episode one, two, and three we're talking about, right? Four, five, Episode and six. One. I, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I have to. I'll, I'll, I'll talk about Star Wars too because it's the best fantasy film of all time. It's the best 
probably one of the, I mean, it's the most popular, but also one of the best film scores of all time. Like oh. orchestrated film scores. Those. Every yeah. single theme is beautiful. Um, I would say that the first one, I agree to me, it hits me in a really special place because it's so not sure of itself. And um, the thing I love about Star Wars and the earlier films is like, there's so many moments that aren't just freaking exciting. Like they're just on a spaceship and they're just going somewhere and you're just hanging out with them for just a second. And it's Mm -hmm. like, that alone is good enough. It doesn't have to be like, boom, 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 boom crazy plotline crazy and that movie did it the other i saw it as a kid and um i was so blown away by the story of it like you think of star wars you think of the spectacle but really like the story is so strong and i remember forcing my mom to tell me who darth vader was (laughs) after i saw it and she told me and she also ruined the sixth sense for me she's but only because I I pleaded so hard. You couldn't wait she, to watch the movies yourself. That's I great. couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't wait. Even no, even seeing the next films, knowing what I knew, it still was shocking. Right. Um, but nothing beats that first one in terms of the world it sets up for you, and um, the just the 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 evolution and the story of you know droids leaving that strange ship and going to the sand people. And like, it really does throw you into a whole nother universe. Um, and there's, there's nothing like it. And it, I do agree. I, I hope someday the Jim Henson style characters and all that can be like, basically I think of the new films as like karaoke versions. They're yeah. like single. <laughs> That's great. It's a great Their plot is slightly, it's like, it's not a remake, but it's, close enough that you might as it's might as well be and uh you really have to open and go into a new world i do i haven't seen the um the series that is supposed to be great oh um, the mandalorian yeah i haven't oh seen yeah that. it's really good they actually uh they they do come through and they do use some puppetry in that actually nice which nice. Uh, which was a good call but no i feel you all the cutscenes. You know, the pacing in the original Star Wars movies where you'll go from this high energy spot and then it'll cut to like just this calming and give you a moment to just like process what you just had. It's not like an endless chase scene like some of the later ones. Um, totally. And you know, that yeah, I think that's something that's lost in a lot of times in the modern filmmaking is that you have these movies that are just basically special effects uh, chains and they're so worried to lose your attention by you know that nobody challenges the audience anymore to sit through a long scene of exposition or a long scene of uh, of just pace you know life isn't full isn't of nonstop you know and so those movies might be like these experiences in the short term but they kind of fail to lodge in your heart in the way that it's just like in music you know you're you got to have that tension and release you got to have you know those moments of quiet and and uh and certainly with with uh star wars that's something they do really well and what better composer than than john williams to to bring that out totally and those there's so many i mean there's the classic melodies and all the things that we all know and love but honestly there's like 
chord voicings and clusters of strings and things that are happening that you just, um, it just, it sits with you and it sticks with you. Like if you heard some of those things again, you would know that Star Wars. Like it's so iconically unique and um, just really special. And the Force theme gives me chills. Yeah. Um, And uh, the, uh, what was I going to say for all of you guys out there who are still listening, um, go out and you have to YouTube, look up Jabba the Hutt, Sail Barge Groove or like, funk music it's a song that gets hidden in the mix of the of the movie but it's actually like the most amazing like cocaine synth funk groove uh that's just playing while they're partying on Jabba's barge it's like only for for, you know a handful of seconds in the movie but some band in the you know early 80s got together and it's totally like a cocaine funk party groove that's it's just perfect and it it, i didn't even discover i had heard it growing up but i didn't even discover how awesome it was until like the last you know five years and that's one that's like a total gem uh that i would encourage anybody to go like you know i haven't been able to find it anywhere else than than on i think there's an old youtube clip of it somewhere but it's just uh it's a super funky little groove that gets hidden in the in the movie nice I um I took all my friends to when I was thirteen and that came out again in theaters. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Star Wars, the kind of remake, not yeah. remake the. Uh, the Where they shoved they all that digital CGI bullshit into it. <laughs> yeah, to me, I, the same feeling is like the digital is literally like it was analog back in the day. There were some digital effects. Um, th- when they show that um, what the Tie Fire would do in in the screen there or when it what against the death star when they blow that up that's some of the first computer generated right um effects oh, ever but yeah 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 i you know for me i was so excited when the remakes came out just to get more content because people alive these days who are did never lived pre-internet like there was a time when getting new content was so precious and any little extra bit of like Star Wars-ism was so valuable. So like at the time, I didn't mind the CGI. I loved it because it was more Star Wars yeah. to me. And, you know, but there was one part which they totally ruined the Sarlacc for me, the pit at the end by giving it that annoying little plant mouth that was like squealing. I like it way more as just a weird like rectum spiked rectum hole you know like to me that was like that burps you know like that was like way more like kind of gritty and weird than like some like plant mouth trying to eat them you know like a tentacled spike anus you know that burps and farts like that's that to me is a lot more uh of the type of sci-fi i subscribe to yeah i guess it was just too realistic and and (laughs) familiar feeling right (laughs) cool man well the last thing that i will say uh i don't know if you've seen this jesse but i may have mentioned it to you there's a great uh series on netflix out there called the movies that made us and it's just explores all these great films uh like in the 80s and 90s and the story behind the making of them and they were all Mm -hmm. films that had uh these real problems during production 
that um, the solving of the problems actually innovated uh, and made the movies into these like huge blockbuster hits. Um, and it just tells the story of the making of them for anyone that's into filmmaking or just wants to relive, um, you know, stories like Die Hard and Home Alone and Dirty Dancing. It just like tells the story of the movie. And uh, it's I, I found it like a really compelling series, really cool, really cool to, to see how like often the pressures are what cause, you know, that that innovation. Yeah, I binged that one all in a row once um, when I came out. I, I, The thing that you have to understand about all the movies on both of our lists is that most of the time it was a very brave risk, no matter, to make that film, especially if they're artistic or different or weird. It's never was, here's a whole bunch of money, this is going to be easy. It's always a struggle, and the fact that even a movie like Star Wars... Um, which we're all used to in our heads, in the back of our minds, was it was a risk and it was unique and it was new. And at the time it came out, it just was nothing like anything else. And those that's that's the courage and that and it you know it takes great a great team to make that happen. And um, yeah. that's why filmmaking is so awesome because it's so collaborative. Totally, without a doubt. Yeah, my my roommate was telling me the story. He's a little older and he remembers being alive when star wars came out and he just said that like and he said the same thing about alien but like it just it changed the country like that's all anybody was talking about you know i think like the what did the first two empire strikes back was in theaters for like a year and a half like it just like it 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 was like changed the cultural fabric when it came out and you know, mm-hmm. when was the last time a movie came out and did that, you know, and was in the theaters for that long. Um, but yeah, I feel you, man. Uh, I think that these are some robust lists, you know, clearly there's a lot on there that we could have included and talked about. And I'm sure in the days that to come, I'll be remembering ones that I will be kicking myself for not including, but you know, with a couple nights notice, I think we did a pretty good job and, I just want to say thanks, uh, Jesse. This is my first podcast, and uh, you're my first podcast guest. Uh, Pop in my podcast, Cherry. So I know we uh, <laughs> we just did about uh, two hours, and you know the length of a feature. So you know for all of you guys who hung in there that that long and have made it through here to the end, thank you. I hope you enjoyed it, and and uh, that you're gonna go out and if you haven't seen any of these, definitely. Um, during this time of, of self-sequestering. You got no excuse not to see every single one of these movies. It's the perfect time to watch movies right now. And we're going to come back and we're going to do a list of favorite animated films. And yes. we do have to do favorite co- comedies and favorite horror because I feel like we a lot of our list was missing some great horror and great comedy. Although you did have Alien, so... I Dude, will, I, I mean, you, you know, the, the way that I'm seeing, I'm trying to keep the this podcast is as open-ended as I can, but, but, but if I could have you on, uh, you know, regularly to talk movies with me, that would be a little feature for the people that like that. Uh, and certainly myself, nothing, uh, would please me more than to get to talk to, to Jesse, uh, about my favorite films, you know? That's so beautiful, man. Thank you for having me. I'm going to watch The Fifth Element right now. Fuck yeah, bro. Spark it up. Well, I love you, man. And happy uh, belated birthday again. I got to hang out with you on it virtually. Um, Enjoy that film. 
smoke a fatty uh, and, and be well, man. I appreciate your time and, and give Lauren a big hug and kiss for me. Thank you so much, man. Thank you so much. Hobart, you rock, bro. Woo. One love, brother. Talk to you later. All right. Well, there you have it. Uh, man, that was fun. I am so excited to be doing this and, uh, there's going to be a lot more coming out. Um, many, many thanks to my boy, Jesse, uh, for being such a lovely guest and getting real with me about them films. Uh, yeah, you know, trying to put together any, (laughs) any sort of, uh, authoritative list on anything is gonna get you into the weeds pretty quickly and uh, I am very grateful to have such a thoughtful person to work through it with and uh, try to sift through uh, an art form that we both care so much about Um, and it was really interesting just to see uh, two people who share a lot as far as uh, their preference for for style um, an aesthetic, uh, and yet can't put together a list of their top tens that matches in any front. So, um, I definitely, I know I learned, uh, you know, about, about Jesse a little more and I think vice versa. And we each got some new titles to watch, which is good. Cause I spend a lot of time on Netflix and prime sifting through, uh, films. I've se- feel like I've seen them all. So thank you so much to Jesse, uh, JJ good vibes. Um, again, I'm just going to give one more shout out today. If you're looking for some music on your 420 to groove to JJ, good vibes, long drives to nowhere is dropping today at 420. Some psychedelic soul grooviness. I've heard a couple of the tracks. They're awesome. Go out there, give it a listen. Um, and if that wasn't enough, Jesse's also hooked me up with a little groove that he put together uh, to play us out. So here it is, my boy, Jesse, thank you so much. Episode one in the books. Much love to all you guys. You guys are beautiful, every single one of you. Mwah.